KMOX Sports. Young swings and lifts a high fly ball. Billikens win! Billikens win! This is Sports Open Line. It's a grand slam! Touchdown! Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice. Yes! KMOX. On a Wednesday evening, we welcome you into the program. My name's Matt Pauley. This is our only full two-hour edition of the program all week. We've got uh, a short show tomorrow for Thursday night football. We've got a short show on Friday night for St. Louis University uh, women's basketball. Although Friday is going to be a really special show. We're going to be out at uh, City Park. We're going to be doing coverage of the MLS expansion draft as we're going to learn a little bit more about what the city looks like for uh, moving forward. Their roster is going to come that much more into uh, focus come Friday. So we're going to be out there, have a lot of things planned for that. We'll talk a bit more about that coming up tomorrow. As always, if you want to join us, you can do so calling or texting 314-436-7900 that's 314-436-7900 you call you text or if you want to tweet at me you can uh, get at me at matt Pauley on air m-a-t-t-p-a-u-l-e-y on air is how you get in contact with me another day another loss for the blues like i i don't even know what the answer is at this point uh it's just it's not good it's not good they lose yesterday 5-1 They've lost eight straight games, all in regulation. That's the first time that has ever happened in franchise history. And they've lost every single one of these games by at least two goals, and most of them by three or four goals. Uh, They're just not getting what they need right now. Uh, When things are going poorly for you, you don't get the breaks. You don't have luck when things are going good for you. You do get the breaks. You do have some luck, and there's, but it's it's got to be more luck. Like Craig Berube said it, and we're going to hear the uh, post game comments from uh, Coach uh, Craig Berube coming up uh, in just a little bit. Uh, they got to play better. They just got to find a way to play better, and they're not doing it right now. And that's uh, that, that, that's kind of the bottom line. Like, we can. We can dive into this and we can look at the numbers and you can look at certainly some individuals who are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And that's everybody. You look at the key players of this team, the core of the team, the guys that you were expecting to contribute in a big way, and they're not. But who on this team really is playing well? Uh, outside of maybe some like, you know, we've seen a fourth a fourth line guy moved up to the first line for a game, but that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about guys who are not expected to be core members of this team who have played well here and there, but they're just not getting consistent play from anybody. Uh, they make some small moves today, uh, nothing earth-shattering, but they, you know what? The, the one thing I will say is you want to have guys on the roster who have been successful, recently and they call up a couple guys from Springfield and those two guys have had good numbers recently at Springfield. So the moves that were made, uh, Jake Neighbors goes down to Springfield. More on that in a moment. Logan Brown, who got banged up yesterday, he goes on to injured reserve. And then Josh Levo and Nikita Alexandrov, each coming up uh, from Springfield. General Manager Doug Armstrong spoke with uh, the Post-Dispatch, uh, told, uh, told the Post that uh, they did not uh, send down neighbors because of his play, telling the Post-Dispatch, uh, quote, 
He's played well here, but in his current environment, and in this current environment, I think it's best for his long-term development to go to the American Hockey League, play with his peers, and also get comfortable again in offensive situations. By no means is this an indictment of his play at all. It's just more of a longer-term approach on what's going to give him the best chance to be a successful long-term NHL player, and I felt that this current situation was not helping him short or long-term. So that was Doug Armstrong uh, talking to Jim Thomas of the Post-Dispatch earlier today. Basically, he's not playing a lot. He's not producing a lot. And for a young guy who's still developing, there's not a lot of fruit uh, to bear there when you're when, when those two things are happening. You want development to continue on. Now, if he's out there playing a lot at the NHL level and finding some success, then development can continue on. But he's just, that's not happening. Uh, he's averaging... About 12 minutes of ice time, was moved down against Philadelphia yesterday, had that first goal in the first game of the season, hasn't scored then, doesn't have an assist this season. Like there's just, it's, it's not working. So you send him down to Springfield and you let him find uh, some offensive success. Now, the guys they're bringing up, speaking of offensive success, uh, they're, have some, they're having some of that right now uh, in Springfield. Josh Levo, uh, he was assigned to Springfield uh, at the end of October, had a hat trick in his uh, first games at Sp- first uh, within his first couple games at uh, Springfield, and uh, he has three goals and one assist in two games since uh, being there. And uh, Alexandrov, uh, he almost made the team out of camp, uh, third in uh, goals with four, fourth in points with eight uh, at Springfield. So. They're having success. They're having some offensive success. Obviously, it's not happening at the NHL level, but it's happening somewhere. And at the very least, maybe you bring those guys in and they've got a little bit of confidence going because of what they've done and they can find some goal scoring. I don't know. Like, No idea is a bad idea at this point. When you have lost this many games in a row, every idea is available. Every idea will be listened to. Uh, but all, at the same time, and Craig Bruby said it, you just got to play better. You just got to play better. We we could talk everything about line combinations, bringing this guy up, sending this guy down, who should be in goal. Uh, but you just got to play better. And they're not playing great hockey right now, and that's why they've lost eight straight games. What a weird turn of events. They start the season with three straight wins, and they haven't won a game since then. I mean, when you... When you really break this down and look back to how long it's been, the last time the Blues won a game was uh, on October 22nd, and it's now November 9th. It's been a while since they have won a game. We'll hear those post-game comments from uh, Craig Berube. Also, some interesting things said by Ryan O'Reilly after the game last night. As we continue on, this is Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pauly. It's KMOX. It's Milliken's women's basketball action Friday night as they take on SIU Edwardsville. Pre-game 7-17. Tip at 7-30. Hear the game here on your home for Milliken's basketball. KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue here on KMOX. Matt Pauly hanging out with you. If you want to join us, 314-436-7900, or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauly on air. Our parade of coaches continuing in about 15 minutes. We're going to head down to Cape Girardeau, and we'll talk some Southeast Missouri basketball with uh, their coach, Brad Korn. They're coming off a fantastic victory in their first game of the season when they uh, went to Tampa and got a win against South Florida, 64. 
44-61. So that's a good way for them to start their season. And they've got their first home game of the year coming up this Saturday. So that's coming up in just a little bit. We're continuing to talk St. Louis Blues hockey. If you've got any thoughts, feel free to uh, call or text 314-436-7900. Another loss yesterday. They fall to the Flyers by a 5-1 score. Eight straight losses, all in regulation. It is the first time in the history of the franchise that that has happened. Craig Berube speaking with the media after the game last night, and obviously he's not real happy with the way his team is playing. Well, yeah, we're not playing good enough to win games, so that's what happens. Uh, you know, we're gonna got to play better than that for 60 minutes, and uh, we're not performing at a good enough level. Are the, are the players still with it, or did they still do they still have faith in you? Is the chemistry there? I think we do. I mean, you know, I felt like we had good energy tonight. It's coming out, and uh, you know, things don't go right, and you know, we don't we don't we didn't fight back hard enough. They uh, uh, continue. I think three goals they got behind your defense. Uh, any thoughts on why that keeps happening? Well, the one kind of halfway pinched on it, got caught on it. Um, you know, there was a face-off play they scored on where their D jumped by our winger and made a play at the net, went off their guy into the net. <clears throat> and then we turned the puck over late in the second period with, you know, there's eight seconds to go in a game. I mean, in a period, we just got to get the puck out and we don't. And then sit or not. Sooner or later, the, the players have to decide to take this into their hands. I mean, how, is there, like, if you could, one thing you could make you know do do better to, to kind of start what what would it be well i don't know if there's just one thing i mean i thought you know we had some real good looks early on uh you know we're we're gripping the sticks for sure we we had you know pretty good pretty good opportunities where we don't capitalize on them maybe not bear down enough around the net missed hit a post you know miss the net things like that on real good opportunities we don't capitalize on them um and then, you know, we make a mistake, it's in our net right now. So it's not just one thing. I think it's a combination of things. Um, you got you got to play real good hockey to get out of this, and you got to, you know, do it together, and, and, and you got to be competitive, highly competitive, you know. When things aren't going right, it's easy to not be as competitive, and, and you know, right now, I think that's where we're at. Uh, Brown, they announced who the upper body. Is that related to his past injury or something new? I don't new? think so. No, it's new. Does it seem serious, or do you know? No, I don't know anything yet. That was Craig Berube speaking after the game last night. If uh, you couldn't totally hear what he was saying because of the loud banging in the background, he was asked about uh, Logan Brown, who we told you earlier is headed to uh, IR. Upper body injury for him. He leaves in the second period. Uh, Berube saying that uh, the belief is that the injury is not related to uh, an earlier one than where he was not with the team to start the season. Again, just nothing's going right. You get some injuries. If nothing else, maybe him going to uh, uh, injured reserve is an opportunity for some of these guys who are uh, coming up from Springfield to maybe have some success. Because like I said earlier, you got some guys up who have been scoring some goals lately, not at the NHL level, but have been scoring goals. And maybe that uh, turns into something. Ryan O'Reilly speaking uh, last night uh, as well. And you have to, you have to give him a lot of credit. He's putting a lot of the blame on himself. You know, we think we have some guys that are stepping up doing great things. You know, Shannon with a huge fight, and then Bobo, a huge fight. You know, it's just, yeah, 
you know, I feel you know, I'm supposed to lead this team and I, I'm not, not doing nearly enough. I know other guys too. There's there's a lot more that needs to be done. Yeah, I, I you know I don't have the answer for it now. But I just I know what I'm, yeah what I'm doing isn't working. He would go on to say, Yeah, there's no question that guys are working, but you know it's not always good enough. I know for myself it's not good enough. I'm trying to work and it just still, but I'm not you know I'm not you know there for my teammates and my timing's terrible. I you know it's it's frustrating. Yeah, it's exactly. Person, I like to make something happen. I feel scared around do nothing right now, so I, you know, I can't, I can't look at other guys and demand something to them that I, you know, I can't even bring myself. So I, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's brutal. It's pathetic. It's, yeah, it's on me. I got to change something. That's a dejected Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, he he made it clear, and he would say it multiple times. It feels like he doesn't really have the answers at this point. Yeah, we, we all know what the problem is. It's just finding an answer, and I, I don't have it. And I'm pissed off I don't have it. I, yeah, I, yeah. That right there is the most damning quote, soundbite, whatever you want to call it, coming out of last night's uh, post-game media scrum because he says, we all know what the problem is, but we don't have the answer to fix it. That's the worst thing in the world. Uh, when you don't know what the problem is, like there's some hope there that you find out what the problem is and then you could fix it. But when you know what the problem is and you still don't have anything to fix it, and again, I'm I'm, I'm probably looking a little bit too deep and, and you know poking out some some very small things that are said in a 12 second clip. But to me, it's alarming. To me, it is alarming when I hear somebody say, I know what the problem is. I don't know how to fix it. Uh, he did say that uh, the coaching staff is not to blame for what's going on at the moment. You know, our coaching staff doing a great job. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. It's, you know, we have to keep changing. We have to adapt. We have to learn. And yeah, you know, it's, you know, the message is, you know, like coach staff's doing a great job. It's just the execution of it. And, and yeah, again, I just I don't have an answer for. It. I know it's just not good enough. It's on. It's on me. It's on. It's others. But that's that is the thesis. That is the final answer of what we've learned from last night. Is that right now they're at a spot where they don't have answers. So what the answer is is put your head down and play harder. Don't be dejected. Don't let the losing streak. Uh, get get into you and affect the way you're playing. That's a lot easier said than done. Like I, I remind you all the time, no matter what the sport is, I remind you all the time that these are human beings. They are human beings. It's one of the biggest things uh, as, as a sports talk host, as somebody who covers sports, I, one of the things that I think most gets lost sometimes from fans is looking at these individuals like they're robots and just forgetting the fact that they are human beings and not everything is just easy. I know in my life there's stuff I want to do better and I don't always I don't always do better. I fail a lot. Now their job is to be professional hockey players. Their job is to go out there and play better. And the 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 clock is ticking right now. Doug Armstrong made it very clear in that meeting with the team a week ago or so that they're not afraid to make changes. And he also said in that same conversation that Craig Berube's not going anywhere. So players have been put on notice. If this doesn't turn around, this roster could look somewhat different in a very short amount of time. 
314-436-7900. Joe has given us a call. Hey, Joe, you're on Sports Open Line. Yeah, I've been watching every game that they've played, and I don't know if it's laziness or what, but they have poor puck control on their own end. They just can't clear their own zone anymore. Yeah, Joe, I, I think that you're right. You're 100% right, and I appreciate the phone call. There, there's, there's a lot of things they're not doing well. I think to Joe's point, because when I'm sitting there watching them, it is, it's way too often where I do see uh, whether they're bringing the puck up, whether they're trying to keep it in the offensive zone, whatever it might be, where the passing isn't overly crisp, where they have a hard time putting together a, a concerted attack in the offensive zone for a while. And what I've thought through as I've been watching it is are are the mistakes that are being made or the turnovers is the lack of crispness in in bringing the puck up is that is that something that's more noticeable because they're losing all these games so you're you're noticing all the things that are just not quite right or is is that part of the problem and i think it is part of the problem i, I certainly think it is but i also think that it's it's a lot more noticeable when things are going poorly. You know, just watching the first period of that game yesterday before the game got a little bit out of hand, but watching that first period, they they did attack in the zone for a while. They did have multiple opportunities and whether yeah, Matt Pajeski we were sitting in the studio during the first period and I wasn't looking, you know, I was I'm hosting a show, so I'm not completely 100% locked in, but as I'm hosting the show, I'm I'm watching the game all at the same time, but I'm not looking at the shot counter. And I felt like in that first period that the Blues were attacking a lot and that they were getting, you know, not great opportunities, but opportunities that they were around the net. And then we're at a commercial break and Matt Pajeski says, look at the shots. And what, it was like 10-4 or 12-4 or something like that at that point. And I'm thinking to myself, how is how is that possible? Because I'm watching this team that's been around the net for an extended amount of time and they're getting outshot basically by double or triple, and they're, they're just not putting the puck on the net. And I think that's the bottom line here. Put the puck on net. Like th- that, that's the thing. And we talked about this maybe a week ago where Craig Berube was asked, about what, what should they do in practice to you know, kind of get out of their funk? And he said, put the puck on net. You're getting these opportunities, and you're not putting it on. So we can talk about bringing the puck up, and we can talk about all these other things. Just, just, just pepper the net. Just get it and put it on net, and see what happens. Like that—that's a really simplistic way of things of looking at things. But when nothing else is going right, at least put the puck on that on make the goaltender make a save and see what happens. All right, we are going to continue our parade of coaches. We have been talking with men's basketball coaches throughout the region uh, for the last week or so, and we are going to head to uh, Cape Girardeau uh, next as uh, we are set to be joined by the head coach of the Southeast Missouri men's basketball team. That is Coach Brad Korn. He joins us in just a moment. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City. KMOX. We do continue on here on a Wednesday night. This is our only two-hour program of the week. Went short the last couple nights. Monday had slew basketball. Yesterday, election coverage, which... 
I know it's not sports, but let me just say this. The KMOX news team did just an incredible job on election coverage uh, last night. It was uh, I was listening through to it uh, throughout the course of the evening and uh, thought it was really, really, really good. It's fun. You're proud to, even though I had absolutely nothing. I had absolutely nothing to do with anything election-related, but like just sitting there listening, I felt proud to like just be part of this because of the job uh, that the news team did last night. It was absolutely uh, incredible. So kudos to them, and uh, yeah, it was fun to uh, fun to listen to. No matter what side of the aisle you might be sitting on, it was fun to uh, to listen to, uh, for sure. All right, uh, we uh, we are doing our parade of coaches. We're in a period where uh, over a couple weeks or so, we are talking with uh, all the men's basketball coaches uh, throughout the course of the region, and uh, we are going to head down to uh, Cape Girardeau right now, talk a little Southeast Missouri basketball after they had uh, just a fantastic win in uh, their first game of the season when they travel to South Florida and get a tight win. Their head coach is uh, Brad Korn, and he joins us right now on the Quiver River Guest Line. Coach, thank you so much for your time. How are you? Yeah, no problem. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm doing let, well. Doing um, well. To talk a little bit about that win. I mean, that's a to open up on the road, uh, going down to Tampa. That That's just a fa- fantastic win for your program. Yeah, it really is. You know, it's the first time that we've in school history we've we've beaten uh, uh, what they're calling the Power Six uh, team, and and uh, I just I couldn't be more proud of the way that we played. Really, just a, it, those first games are kind of ugly, a little bit sloppy, turnovers. Um, you know, you're taking maybe some bad shots. Um, defensively, though, I mean, we were we were tough. We were resilient. Our guys stayed together. We we looked and played like a team, and um, that's how you win in college basketball. That's how you win in college basketball on the road. Uh, so I couldn't be more proud of the way that we played and performed, and now we got to we got to keep it going. Um, it was now the third time that we've won our opener um, in each of the last three years. So we got to keep it going, and hopefully this gives us some, a lot of no, momentum in the non-con. What's it like for you building a program? You're in your third year. I'm a K-State graduate, so I've kind of been aware of you for, for a while from your time when you were uh, coaching with uh, with Coach Weber at K-State, and you get this job. Uh, and yeah. it, it's that's kind of that slow build when you go into a program like this. Can you just talk through what, what your mindset has been over the last couple of years going into your third year as you really try to build something up? You know what? I really just try to, to – um take it all in stride and just relax. Uh, you know, you, not only are you taking over a program, uh, but you, you took over a program in the midst of a, a worldwide pandemic. Uh, they mm-hmm. kind of hung around for two years. Then you, you throw in the portal on top of that. Then you throw in first time head coach. You throw in all the problems that you don't see coming. So um, I kinda, I've always tried to just relate it to, um, you know, everyone tries to tell you how to, how to raise your child until you have your own. And it's like a bunch of people can, can tell you how to do it, but until you're the one sitting there listening to them cry at one in the morning, um, you're the one that has to end up making those decisions for yourself. So um, it's been a very, um, I don't know if hard is the right word, because uh, everything is hard, otherwise you wouldn't do it. Uh, but it's been very rewarding. I've just been very pleased and very proud and appreciative of the opportunity uh, that, that Brady Barker, AD, and SEMO is, is given. And so it's kind of the approach that we take every day. So it's been it's been challenging. You know, I don't think anybody expected, not just in basketball coaches, we live pretty good lives. So uh, the whole world got hit pretty hard by the pandemic and all that. So all the, all the factors that you couldn't predict going into that first year was, was, was hard. But, again, our, our kids stayed resilient. And I think uh, really how we played this year on opening night is really what you thought going back to your, your question of what I wanted this program to look like and how we've done it as a staff to get it to this point. So now we've got to keep it going. Who did you 
rely on, lean on for advice as you're running a program for the first time and it's happening during a period of time that nobody has ever experienced before? Yeah, that's, that was kind of the, the crazy thing is there was no one to call. So, hey, Coach Weber, how'd you handle it when you went through that pandemic? Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, Coach Painter, how, you remember when you were going through that pandemic, what'd you do with your team? Um, so, yeah, there really was no one to um, to lean on, you know, other than just a belief in yourself and a faith that you're going to be able to get, uh, get done what you need to get done. I, I will say that, it, to me, it was more of an opportunity to pour into our team. And I think that I, I like to look at the, the positive side and the double-edged sword of the pandemic was that we got to spend time with our guys. You know, I think a lot of times when guys get jobs, especially first-time head coaches like myself, as soon as you get the job, you're off and running with recruiting. Uh, your family's away from you. You're you're bringing in visits. You're putting together the roster. You're meeting boosters. You're doing all these things, and you maybe never get to catch your breath. Well, it's like, well, in the pandemic, you all we all could do was sit there and get on Zooms and talk to one another. So uh, I think probably that was a blessing in disguise, to be quite honest with you. Southeast Missouri men's basketball coach Brad Korn continuing to join us. One name on your team that a lot of people in St. Louis are very familiar with is uh, Philip Russell. Spent some time at SLU. He's a Vashon High School kid. Uh, he hits the winning shot for you the other day against South Florida. Uh, he came in being honored by the league going into the season. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, how important he is to your team? Very important, uh, very important. One of three guys in the Ohio Valley Conference returning uh, all league guys, so that's kind of an unheard of, just again with the portal situation and, and rosters flipping over the way they are right now in college athletics, to be able to have Phil back and um, just for him and I's relationship to grow and for, for his game to grow and to mature and uh, to be that guy at the top of the scouting report, uh, seeing everybody's best shot. It's just been a. I think it's going to be an exciting season for him, and I think his game is going to go to a whole new level. He works tirelessly on his game. Uh, he's an ultra competitor, uh, and uh, that showed the other night. He didn't shoot it great coming out of the gate, and then he hits uh, two really big shots for us late. Uh, and we're down, or we're up two. I'm sorry, we're up two, and he hits a, a deep three. They went under a ball screen, and he had the confidence, and I have the confidence in him. And he took that shot, put us up five, and pretty much sealed the deal for us. So I'm excited to see the growth and the maturation of his game and, and the evolution of him as a player, uh, there's really not a lot that he cannot do. And so now it's just figuring out where and how and when to use all of his tools and his gifts. And um, he's trying to grow in, into that leadership role as well. So to whom much is given, much is expected. And we expect a lot out of, out of Phil, but, but he can handle it. And um really glad that he's here. And again, he's just a feisty competitor that uh, he brings it every single day. And so you, that, those, those types of guys you'd love to have in the program. All right, so you've alluded to the transfer portal, and obviously that plays so big right now in the world of college basketball, and you guys have uh, been able to to certainly utilize that and bring in some uh, some D1 transfers. We talked about your time becoming a head coach during the pandemic, but what about just this period in college sports where still there's so much changing seemingly on a, on a month-by-month basis with name, image, likeness, and everything, but we're also in this period where y- you can't recruit the same way you used to recruit. Yeah, it's almost flipped 180. You know, it used to be one of those deals, and uh, we're in the signing period right now. And it used to be if you didn't get your, your work done early, you know, in November and early signing day, you felt like you were behind. And now it's kind of flipped the other way around. It's it's now geared more towards April and and May is where a bulk of the recruiting is going to come into play, especially for for programs like ours. Uh, and so, but I so we haven't lost sight. Our staff hasn't lost sight of of what we think is the right way. Uh, not that there is a wrong way, 
Um, and we, you know, we're never going to be that team that says we're not going to take anybody in the portal. Uh, but we still stay true to, to high school recruiting. Uh, there's a lot of players out there right now in these next few years that are going to be lost in the shuffle. And so as the world continues to change and shuffle and uh, guys move around, uh, I, I think if you can stay grounded and take care of home, which we've done a, a pretty good job of, uh, I think you'll be on stable ground and be able to, to find the pieces out of the portal that you may need if you do have deflections. You recruit a lot of St. Louis guys. How important is St. Louis to what you want to do? It's very important. It's very important. You know, I, I played at SIU Carbondale, and we had a lot of success over there over quite a long time. And really all of our guys were within that five- to six-hour radius. And I think that's very important when you look at where Cape Girardeau is located. You have St. Louis – two hours away and we have Dylan Branson and Kobe Clark also from the area. Uh, we already mentioned Phil and we've got a Quan smart, Chris Harris from Chicago. And so we've got guys in the area and you've got Memphis right down the road, Nashville. So we've got some cities and some areas that we can take care of. There's, there's good basketball in our own region. Uh, so there's, there's place, there's people and there's places around our, our campus that as long as we take care of home, we're going to be on solid, stable ground. Uh, and that, again, that's a, another reason, another uh, factor going into to taking this job is that I, I feel that the, the area and the region wanted basketball to be good and they support it. Last thing for you, just from a league perspective, obviously there's always dominoes falling and league realignment and stuff happens at the power five level. And eventually uh, it gets to the mid major level and a couple new additions into the conference in Southern Indiana and Lindenwood. These are two programs who are not afraid to support athletics, put some money in good facilities have been very good uh, at the non D one level. And they come into the league uh, is, is it I mean, just general thoughts on these two programs and what they do to the Ohio Valley. Yeah, to to speak on Lindenwood, I, I just think you see that the the kind of year that they've had in football. Uh, I think that's probably a, a challenge, or maybe maybe people might not have thought they'd be able to have the success that they're having. But they've been able to come in and be competitive right away. Uh, Southern Indiana has been a long time, you know, a guy that, that coached me and was over there, Coach Watson, Coach Rodney Watson, for a long time over there at that at Southern Indiana. So just knowing the, the rich history of that basketball program. Uh, so I don't think that they're going to have any, any trouble coming in and competing right away, to be quite honest with you, just with, as you mentioned, uh, the support that they'll get, the facilities that they have, the areas in which they're located, uh, they'll be able to compete right away. And that's what makes the OVC exciting. And, you know, you never really want to lose founding fathers of conferences and, and you really always want to go up against the best. I, I still wish Murray and Belmont were in the league because if, you want to play against the best. You want to beat the best. And uh, they obviously set the bar very high. And uh, But when you look at teams like Moorhead and and ourselves and Tennessee State to kind of take that, that torch and carry it on and, and continue OVC basketball has been very, very solid over the years. It probably doesn't get enough recognition that it should on a national level. And then uh, really, too, if you look in the NBA, there's quite a few NBA guys from the OVC that are, that are playing right now. Well, Coach, we really appreciate you taking some time. Hopefully we can uh, check in with you on occasion during the course of the season. Uh, congratulations on a great win, and we'll certainly be uh, keeping up with your team. Okay. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Very good. There's Southeast Missouri men's basketball coach Brad Korn. We appreciate him uh, taking some time. Again, that was a really Really good win for them to open up the season to go to South Florida to come away with a 64-61 win. They'll be in action uh, in Cape Girardeau coming up on Saturday. They'll take on Lion College of Arkansas before they will head to uh, Evansville coming up uh, a week from today for uh, their next road game. 
We will. Uh, we got a lot to get to. We are taking you all the way until eight o'clock tonight. We got some Cardinals baseball. They make a uh, small move uh, today. We'll get into the Eli Drinkwitz contract. The uh, details of that have been uncovered. I guess you can say by the St. Louis Post Dispatch. We'll pass along that to you. It's all coming up at Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City! We are America's sports voice. KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue here on KMOX. Coming up on the end of hour number one in the second hour, we are going to uh, talk some NHL hockey with uh, Dan Rose and NHL.com. He's going to join us uh, towards the end of the hour. We'll also get into uh, the move that the Cardinals made today. A small move adding to the roster. We'll tell you all about it. Uh, Some events that have not been around the last couple years, they are set to return for the Cardinals as well. Might look a little bit different. We'll explain that. And also uh, the Post-Dispatch through an open record request. You gotta love those. Uh, they were able to get the contract details for Missouri football coach Eli Drinkwitz who signed that uh, extension last week. We'll tell you just how much of a raise he is getting and uh, what that really means in terms of his standing because the team is not, their win-loss record is not what Missouri fans wanted this year, but they are doing well in other areas. They are recruiting well. They are drawing fans, things like that. So it's uh and sometimes it's more than wins and losses at this point in a coach's tenure. So we'll touch on that coming up uh, next hour as well. Wanted to mention this for those of you who are on Twitter. And I'm, honestly, I'm kind of curious how many of our listeners are on Twitter. Of all the places I've been, I probably have less Twitter interaction with folks here than I do at other places. And maybe that's just because people haven't started following me yet or whatever. But just for for whatever reason, I have a feeling that I'm talking to a lot of people right now who might not be on Twitter. So we will keep this relatively quick as we wrap up this hour. Just kind of a public service announcement here. It is getting a little bit more challenging to know what's real and what's not on Twitter. And I said this the other day. I said this uh, on Glover's show either yesterday or a couple days ago that I didn't completely understand the mass exodus of people leaving Twitter with Elon Musk uh, being in control because my point was – the experience hasn't really changed. Well, starting today, the experience has changed. Now, I'm not leaving Twitter, and I still don't totally understand uh, people who are, but they're going through the process right now where you can basically go buy your blue check mark. And um, I found it. So I've been a Twitter blue subscriber previously. I've always done it because uh, it was worth like the 3 or $4, whatever I pay each month. It was worth that to be able to like preview my tweets before they went out because I'm a horrible tweeter that can make as many grammar mistakes as anybody. And then also uh, recently they added in the edit function as well, which has been fantastic going back to my whole I'm a horrible tweeter thing and I can make mistakes. I can go in and fix it. So I um, I found out today that my for those of you who have subscribed to that, that's being canceled because that was a whole lot cheaper than the 8 bucks that is now being charged for it. And i got to make a decision if it's worth $8 to me so I can edit tweets and things like that. And I'm not, and I'm not sure. And also there's like that stigma because then you get the blue check mark. People are like, oh, you're paying for your blue check mark. No, I'm paying for the opportunity to edit a tweet because I'm not a very good tweeter. So 
Those are the things that I have to debate with uh, during the course of my day. But I say that to say all of this. There are a lot of people out there that are buying their blue check mark, and then they are impersonating real accounts. And if you put that you're a parody account somewhere in your Twitter bio, it's technically legal. So right now you might see a tweet from Adam Schefter with a blue check mark with some breaking NFL news, and you just see it in your Twitter feed because somebody has retweeted it, and turns out it is a fake account, it is a parody account, it is not real. So just some public service for you because that's how we as sports fans get so much of our breaking news and things like that. If you see some news, click on the person's account, make sure it's actually Adam Schefter, it's actually Adrian Wojnarowski, it's actually Ken Rosenthal and not somebody impersonating them with but saying that they have a parody account so they are technically legal. Just just a little advice for you trying to help you not get duped by a fake account. We will take a break for the news. A lot to get to in hour number two here on KMOX.